Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy New Year. Hope your holidays were great. Because it's uh, the week of New Year's here, we're going to take a little break from sports media and do something fun. We're doing a roundtable this week with Alan Sepinwall, the chief TV critic for Rolling Stone, and former Major League pitcher. He's in the front office now for the Diamondbacks, Dan Harron, who's a very funny guy uh, and a huge fan of The Office. So I got them on to do a roundtable here on The Office and talk about everything related to the show. Favorite episodes, worst characters, best characters, favorite lines, things we wish we saw differently, season eight and nine, uh, Carell, everything. So it's an office roundtable with Dan Harron and Alan Seppenwall, and we're going to get to it right now on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, I'm very excited for this. We have the chief TV critic for Rolling Stone. Everyone who watches TV knows his work, Alan Seppenwall. He also has a book coming out January 8th, The Sopranos Sessions. So I'm looking forward to that. Alan, how you doing? I'm great, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And also, I had to have this guy on because this whole episode is dedicated to The Office, and he's a big reason I started watching it, Dan Harron, former Major League pitcher. What's up, Dan? Hey, good to, good to talk to you again. I'm, I'm so happy that I got you on the office. It's really, it's changed my life. What, what, I, I, I want to do a proper intro here. What is the exact title you have now with the Diamondbacks? Uh, I believe, well, the title when I took my job was Pitching Strategist. I don't think I've changed it. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you know how it is. I, I just work with, uh, you know, the pitchers, pitching analytics, stuff like that. It, it sounds very George Costanza assistant to the traveling secretary-ish. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is real. This is real. <laughs> I just want to make... Now, here's what's funny about this. So we have a major league pitcher on the show, but it's the chief TV critic of Rolling Stone who's laid up right now after undergoing... What, do you have rotator cuff surgery? I had rotator cuff surgery a week ago. It's, it's fun. It's, Dan, did you ever have rotator cuff surgery? I didn't. I, had a, I actually had my non-throw... The only surgery I've ever had is my non-throwing shoulder... 
I uh, had an AC joint repair, and you know what? I still have issues with it today. But I could, I, I probably need like two or three surgeries. I was supposed to have my hip replaced. Oh my god! In October, and I, I chickened out like two weeks before <laughs> the surgery. So. Any tips for Alan on how to get through the rotator cuff surgery? Um, no, with me, you know what? With my surgery went really well, and uh, the recovery was good. And um, but. I, like I said, I've had a few issues since then. You know, you, you never want to have surgery because it could lead to some problems down the line, but hopefully uh, uh, Alan's doing okay here. I will get through it, I'm sure. All right, glad to Oh, yeah. You got to do some – I, I assume you're going to do a book tour for the Soprano sessions? I am. I'm practicing my left-handed signature right now because <laughs> the doctor said, like, I'm not allowed to sign hundreds of books with, with the hand that they operate oh, on. Oh, God. And the book's coming out January 8th, so you better you better get that – Get that wheel fixed quickly. Um, get you before we get to the office. Give us a little run. Give us a little plug here for the Soprano sessions. What is what do we expect in that book? Uh, so we're approaching the 20th anniversary of when the show debuted, which is two days after the book comes out. And so Matt Zeller Seitz and I used to write about the show when we were TV critics at the Star Ledger of Newark, New Jersey, mm -hmm. which was the newspaper at the end of Tony's driveway. And so we were <laughs> always obsessed with the show. We interviewed lots of people about it, wrote a ton about it at the time. We went back, we rewatched every episode of the series. The book has essays on every single episode of the show. And we also sat wow. down with Soprano's creator, David Chase, for a new series of interviews about the show. Uh, every season, everything, nothing was off limits, including the ending. We covered a whole lot of stuff, and he was very open in some surprising ways, and I think it's really good. So you said essays on every episode of the show? Yeah, so wow. if you're going That's... back and you're rewatching The Sopranos, right. you can finish each episode and read what we have to say about college yeah. or Pine Barrens or whatever. Or if you're just feeling nostalgic for that episode, you can pull it off the shelf and do it that way. I, you know, it's funny. I always, because I used to write this crazy column called Hot Clicks years ago, I always wax poetic for the early days of the internet. And I remember your Sopranos recaps were like, that was like one of the internet things that everyone was into when the Sopranos was. Dan, did you watch the Sopranos? Are you a Soprano? Were you a Sopranos viewer? You can say no. I, I, I was. I was kind of hoping you didn't ask this question. So the answer is no. I, I've never seen an episode of the Sopranos. But you know what? I'm not proud of that. I, it's a show that I've, you know, I, I wish I would have watched. But you know, when the, when you get these shows that are like seven, eight seasons, I don't know how long The Sopranos was. It's just so overwhelming to think of starting starting it, and it's kind of like House of Cards. Like I've never seen an episode of that, but there's been so many seasons, and I it just seems like such a task to start from episode one. You know? Do you think we can convince you to watch it, or it's never going to happen? It will never happen. Oh, my God. Alan, do you believe this? I believe it, and if it makes you feel any better, Dan, I'm a TV critic. It's my job just to watch this stuff, and there are many times where I feel intimidated about a show that I somehow missed for one reason or another, and I say, look, there's no way. I can't do it. There's no time. So yeah. do not feel any guilt about this. But it's, I appreciate it. It's the greatest show ever. Ever. But that's okay. Hey, I, I didn't say I was proud of it. I, right. You're not. I, I mean, I know, I know it was great. All I'm right. not saying I don't like no, it. No, no, I know, I know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, well, it's a shame that Dan doesn't watch The Sopranos, but that's okay, because I didn't watch The Office until last year. And the reason, so I did a, I had Dan on the podcast last year, and I asked him his three, uh, Dan's hysterical on Twitter, so I always love funny people, and then I got to get their take on pop culture and TV. So I asked Dan his 
three favorite TV shows. And I remember you said Seinfeld, you said The Office, or you said The Office might even be better than Seinfeld, which that's where you got me. But if I'm not mistaken, and I want to get Alan's reaction to this, didn't you say your third favorite oh, no. all-time sitcom oh, was no. King of Queens? <laughs> it's uh, like, you know, now you're like shaming me for it. Yes, but, I am actually. Um, I would, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes, it still is. I mean... These are the shows that I can watch season after season of reruns. And, and, um, and to tell you the truth, the last few months I have been off King of Queens. I'm more, I've been more on Seinfeld uh, the last few months. And it's still the office every night. But I watch at least two episodes of Seinfeld every night and usually two episodes of The Office per That is a great cover-up um, for saying The King of Queens is your third favorite sitcom of all time. But, but it, I'm sorry. It, <laughs> I, I, I love it. I'm sorry. Alan, I, I'm, I, I shouldn't be ashamed to say that I, that I love it. You should. You should not be ashamed, Dan. You should, people should enjoy yeah. the things that they watch, and King of Queens is a perfectly fine show, and my <laughs> wife and I constantly quote one line from it from the episode where they get the bunk, the, the twin beds, and they start doing everything separately, and we, we just always talk about the line about the deep-fried pound cake. So you enjoy yeah. King of Queens. It's okay. Would it even make your top okay. 50 sitcoms, that, Alan? No, it would not. Probably not, but there have been a lot of really good sitcoms. Right, there have. Yeah. All right. Well, let that. But anyway, so when I taped that episode of the podcast with Dan, and he he was saying the Office could be better than the Seinfeld, and obviously over the years I had heard so much about the Office, and then I had two coworkers. I'll mention their names because they get very excited by that. Daniel Rappaport and Chris Chavez. They were harassing me to watch the Office. So it was a perfect storm where they were harassing me in the Office. Dan was saying it. I and I always, I felt shame, like I shamed you for liking the Queen King of Queens. I felt shame that I had never watched it. So it was the Christmas break. And I have a very OCD, anal personality, so of course, it completely took over my life, and I think I watched all nine seasons in about three weeks. And I've probably watched it every day since then, thanks to yeah. Comedy Central showing it 24-7, and then, of course, it's on Netflix. So, and I, I'm a, to say I'm obsessed is an understatement. So let me just start with that. First things first. I'm going to start with Alan, and then we'll go to Dan. If the show is on, and it's a season eight or nine episode... Do you watch it, or you? Or it's an automatic non-watch. There's a couple of really good episodes from those two years, in particularly the very last two. Right. The one where Dwight finally gets the promotion, and then the finale. I think those are really great. And if we could just erase most of the rest of what happened after Carell left, I'd be good with it. But a lot of it's really bad. Yeah, Dan. What? Is, what's your uh, take? This is easy. So I watched season eight and nine. One time, I mean, obviously I had to. If those shows came on, on whatever it is, Comedy Central, TBS, whatever it's on, I would absolutely not watch it. And after I watched it the first time, I told myself I will never watch it again. <laughs> and in fact, once I get to the end of season seven, I usually will not even watch that. The, the last two or three episodes of season, season seven. Because they're bad so, or because they're difficult for you to watch? Um, I don't think they're horrible, but right. they're difficult for me to watch, and I I know that I'm not going to go any further into it. Right. So I prefer just starting starting from the beginning again. See, I'm with Alan. I if I see Robert California, it's an automatic get it off my screen, and yeah. that's how I feel about season eight and nine. But I do think 
those last two or three episodes where they finally watch the documentary and then, like he said, Dwight becomes the manager and then the wedding, I, I do watch those. I do like those. Um, yeah, uh, I will. It's amazing how, man, I, what, Alan, you would know this. Was there any thought by NBC to not continue it when Carell left? Or is it just no, a that, mo- was, that was never at any point discussed. It, it was just was, a money The, the show was too much of a moneymaker for them at that point. Right. And they wanted to see if they could make it work without. And, you know, Ed Helms had just been in a really big hit movie, and so they figured they could just promote him and everything would be okay, and it really wasn't. Right, right. Um, all right, let's talk. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys this, too. Alan, obviously I'm sure you watched it during its first run on NBC because that's your job. Yes. Okay. Dan, did you watch it when it was initially on NBC, or did you get into it with, you know, Netflix or DVDs or whatever it was after the fact? I got into, I got into it not from the beginning on, on NBC. I got into it a few seasons in, uh, but I would say, like, my obsession with it came after the fact, once I could, you know, binge watch a bunch of episodes in a row. And, I, you know, honestly, like we were talking about, I, I had – like in the in my baseball life, there's a lot of time where you're either on a bus or on a plane, and you know I spent a lot of time uh, watching it then, and I was right. you know I would I would right. say you know at the especially the latter part of my playing career, I was uh, you know I was watching a few episodes of that every day. Uh, before we get into specific episodes, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I know for me, and maybe this is immaturity on my part. I don't know, but. I love the fact when I watch it now that there's so much of it, especially in the early seasons, that would never get on TV today. Um, yeah. And it's really having, I feel like it does have this second life now because of Netflix. Um, does, Alan, I'm curious, like, does the fact that there's so much uh, politically incorrect stuff on it, do you think that's part of the appeal of it? I think it's some of the appeal. It's a really interestingly structured show in that on the one hand, you have Michael and Dwight are generating most of the comedy, and Jim and Pam are generating most of the story. And so you had a lot of people who really were just into that romance and found Michael kind of intolerable almost. And then there were other people who just found him the funniest person in the world, which Steve Carell so often is, uh, and they just went with the rest of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just the there's just. It's hard to watch it and not think about this would never get on TV today. That line would never get on TV today. That line would never get on TV today. Um, and it's weird because it all does seem harmless on that show. They do it in a way where it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's a shame that we're now in this you know, time where that would not get made get made somewhere it just might not get made for nbc but there's so many more places that are making tv like it could just be a direct to netflix thing now right right i got you dan what do you think you i I, I think it's like that with a lot of shows too not to go back to it but king of queens they also do there there's episodes on there where they would absolutely be inappropriate for television today um and you know going back i think we've messaged on twitter before too like the my favorite stand-up comedy of all time, Eddie Murphy Delirious, but I'm almost ashamed to say that it's my favorite stand-up comedy of all time because it's just so bad. Right, that first 10 minutes is... You know, it's funny. Um, I I tweet often about how I think Delirious is the single greatest stand-up of all time, and inevitably I always get replies from people about the language in it, especially at the beginning, is rough, but, you know, you got to have the context of the time and... um, Yes. You know... um, but that's that's a whole other issue. Um, uh, I want to get into favorite episodes now. I 
everyone who knows me knows I've been into this now for a year like a crazy person, and I'm always asked my favorite episode, and I always feel like that's just such a hard question to watch with to answer with any show. Now, Alan, I'm just curious: is it you're a critic? Can you have a favorite episode? Is it um, sure? Okay. Well, give me. Let's start with you. Give me if I said top three favorite Office episodes. Where do you go? All right. Well, the funniest episode, I think, by a wide margin, is the injury where where Michael cooks his foot on the foreman grill. Right. Uh, I I just all, every single thing about that is perfect. Um, in terms of other ones, that's God. So you you've yeah. named one already, and already I feel I have my three, and that one's not on it. Now I'm pissed I didn't put that on it. It's. Well, no, but it's also you can have different flavors of episodes. Yes. So Casino Night is one that everybody loves, but that's much more of a romantic episode. Right. Or, or Niagara, right. where Jim and Pam get married. Uh, right. I think uh, the Dundies is really good. That's the episode where they figured the show out right. after a kind of rough first season, and you can that's, identify right away everything that was the making first episode it. of the. That's the first episode of the second season, correct? The Dundies. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. and I, still, really I think it took a few, I'm sorry to interrupt, I think it took a, I like the Dundies, of course, and I think it's a classic, but I still think it took a few episodes to get going in the second season. Because the first season, you know, it, it has its fault, it's okay, and I, I would say it took six or seven episodes in the second season to really get going. All right. And, and, what, and I guess for the third, this is a less heralded choice, but I've always loved it, is The Lover which is the episode where Jim and Pam come back from their honeymoon and discover that Michael has been sleeping with Pam's mom. That's an interesting one for how mortified they are. (laughs) It's a rare episode because again, Jim and Pam are not the funnier characters on the show, but their responses to this are so hysterical. And Michael is kind of really insufferable and juvenile throughout it, which is fun. That is an interesting one. I was not expecting that one. Um, Dan, I want your top three, but before you do that, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like everyone has the same take sort of that the show really, gets its footing in season two and really starts to fly in season two. But season one did have, and it was, season one was only six episodes, but it had Diversity Day and Basketball, which I think are two, two of the top episodes in, in the uh, history of the show. And, but, and I would say the same thing about Seinfeld, too, is that I, I love the first season, first season of Seinfeld. Just, I mean, I think they're classic, but, I mean, you know, it's, the characters really don't take shape till you know two or three seasons in. I, I mean, was going to like Kramer's. Kramer's a completely different person. Yeah. in the first season than he is in the fifth season. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's season three where Seinfeld really goes to another level. Alan, what are your thoughts on the on when Seinfeld? Yeah, it's season three and really season four, which is the one where they're making the show within the show when it becomes Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Right. But even when you get into season three, that that took a while for for that series. And with The Office, it's funny, because they, they were remaking this really great British show, and the first episode is pretty much a line-for-line remake of the first episode of the British one, and it just doesn't work at all, because it makes Michael seem like a creep in a way that the, the Ricky Gervais version of the character didn't. And it took him a while to realize, oh, no, this is what's funny about Steve Carell, and sometimes they were able to figure that out a little bit in the first season, but it does not become consistently good until year two, for sure. All right, Dan, your top three. Well, it's really hard to to rank. I I, I wrote a few down because I, I and it's hard. And, and I had talked to you before because I get caught up in some. I would like to do another list eventually of the best opening scenes. You know, the best first minute or two. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because just some of those are just so so classic. But um, I love I that say, I love that you did homework for this. By the way, 
I did do homework. I, I'm, I'm looking at my notes now. I have a few episodes starred. From season three, I, I really, really enjoy safety training. Um, when, when Michael's doing the demonstration on top of the roof of the building. Yes. Uh, with different things. And, you know, the thing happens and he has to call his lawyer, James P. Albini or whatever his name is, uh, to see if he handles uh, hate crimes. Right. Um, that, that, that's one of my favorites. I, um, I would go into season four. The dinner party is classic. And I would say the dep- the deposition also, I would say is my, probably my favorite episode from the season. I know you love the dinner party, uh, Jimmy, but I would say the deposition from season four is probably, um, in my top five. Mm-hmm. And then I'll I'll go on to season five where I say stress relief, um, probably my favorite my favorite uh, like one two episode you know with right. the how there's Niagara uh, the lecture circuit um, those stress relief um, I would say it ranks up there and then I I would say season seven sex sex education when Michael has to call ex girlfriends um, and tell them that he had herpes. Is that also, that's not the same episode because I, the, it's funny. I rem, I feel like I remember everything from the earlier seasons and then that six and seven, it becomes, is that the episode two where, no, that's not the, that I'm thinking of P, PDA. There's a great, oh, that's different, yeah. yeah, there's a great yeah. conference room scene where Michael is like, we'll have a closet for first base, a closet yeah. for second base. And Dwight's like, what about a masturbation class? And, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and, um, Everything He's, that happened yeah. in there was consensual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. I don't know. And Michael Scott's yeah. like, yes, but that was a great scene. I'm, I get that confused. Um, my, t- I'll give I, you my- I love, I love Holly. Holly was great. Yes, I did like Holly too. She was good. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give you my three. And here's what I would say about the dinner party. If you go on YouTube and you look up the season four bloopers, the bloopers from that episode are actually funnier than the episode, which is amazing to but obviously it's a great episode. But these are my I have a, I have a dinner party hot take, guys. Go ahead. Which is Uh-oh. I think it's no, I think it's an amazing episode and I never want to see it again for as long as I live. Because it's uncomfortable? It's just it's so uncomfortable. Like I admire yeah. that sort of the pushing that particular kind of humor that the show could do to its absolute limit and it was like even as I was watching it I wanted to hide behind the couch. It's so funny mm-hmm. to me when I hear people say it, because I hear that about Curb all the time, that Larry David on Curb makes people uncomfortable. I love that as a viewer. I want more of that. I never, I don't yeah, understand that, the concept of being uncomfortable at a TV show, but that's just me. I, mean, I, get, I get uncomfortable too. I do. Uh, see, I don't. I love it. It's, and when, I don't okay. know. But, that, you know, I, but I, a lot of pe- I think I'm in the minority in that. A lot of people do get uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but the dinner party. So if you see the dinner party, Alan, you you do you not watch it? Is it that how is is it that uncomfortable for you? Yeah, I I <laughs> went through a period about a year ago where I was just binging the series on Netflix, you know, while doing household errands and things. Right. And that episode and a couple of others, I would either skip past or I would watch for a little bit, and then it would get to a moment where it just became too much, and then I would jump ahead to the next one. Scott's Tots is the other one that I will never watch again. Oh, no. Yeah. This is where this oh. is the one downside of having a podcast because I would really love it if we could play Tucker's song, like over this conversation, you know. <laughs> um, but we don't have rights. So, Scott, you took me... Toss, so maybe I like the uncomfortable episodes because Scott's Toss, Scott's Toss just missed my 
top five. It's probably in my top ten. All right, let me give you my top three because we're we're on similar themes here. My number one, I finally decided after a year, I just decided this a few weeks ago, is stress relief. Mm-hmm. Because here's what you have in that episode. You have the phenomenal opening scene where Dwight sets the office on fire for the fire drill. Yes. Then you have the scene with the woman and the dummy with the CPR. <laughs> then, that, that, that's one of the best scenes of all time. And here's what people forget. In that, epi- in that episode with those two things is the Michael roast. Which, of course, then gets yeah. followed by Boom Roasted when he comes back to the office. Which I still That's use. part two, yeah. Yes. So that two-part episode is number one for me. And, and here's the thing about The Office, and I'm curious. You know, everyone remembers the memorable things, like the dinner party and the, the scene in Stress Relief where they're running around with the fire drill. But it's the, thro- it's the th- very short, quick, throwaway lines, especially by Michael Scott. And there's two in that episode. When, he's, when he has the idea for a roast, he goes, does anybody here have the Comedy Roast channel? The Comedy Central <laughs> Roast channel. Which uh-huh. And then someone's trying to talk him out of it. And he goes, no, no, it'll be great. He's like, we got to get YouTube to come down and film it. <laughs> it's like, the, like, the Huey, like the Huey Lewis. Yes, song. yes. He comes up yeah. to Huey Lewis. Thanks, Bruce. Oh, my God. So, to me, that's number one. Number two, this is one of Alan's, the Dundies. Uh, mm-hmm. that's when it took off for me too. And it, that was an episode where I love when they're all good in the episode. I mean, they're always good in every episode. The Dundees, my producer, Lou Pellegrino, that's his number one as well. I, you, you have Phyllis with the bushiest beaver instead of the busiest beaver. <laughs> Michael Scott in that episode hosting, he's sweating. Dwight hits the cue early. He's trying to drink the water. I mean, it just that episode I, I love. On the yeah. And then three for me is Casino Night. I do. I am a sucker for the Jim Pam stuff, and uh, but Michael also at Casino Night is great. So that's my top three. So we're, we're we're sort of in the same. We're sort of in this. We sort of have the same vibe going. The three of us, which is good. Um, I'm just. I'm glad no one put because I wrote down a few of my least favorite episodes, and I'm glad that no one no one uh, said one of those. Uh, what? Give me give me your least favorite. So my le- these are episodes that if they come on, I will not watch just because I don't think that, that they're that great. And this is not season uh, eight or nine. This is pre-season eight. No, 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 no. Um, season five, The Blood Drive. I do not like that episode. I don't think it's very funny. I don't mind that one. Um, and I also don't, I mean, I, I know I'm in the minority, but The Threat Level Midnight, um, I don't think is that great. Uh, and then the other one is the the banker when they do the recap which it's kind of like the Seinfeld episode where they recap all the scenes it's like right, right. I, I think you know I don't I, I just don't care for it that's an know? old school thing every sitcom used to do like a clip show Alan knows that better than anyone yeah that, yeah no there yeah. were there were yeah. shows that would do clip shows within clip shows yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah they mostly don't do that anymore every sitcom used to do a clip show um where do you stand on threat level midnight Alan because I I'm also not a fan of that episode I think it's cute. I think it's the sort of thing you do late in the run, or in this case, late in Carell's time on the show. And so it's a little fan servicey. And I sort of loved it. Like they played uh, "Running on Ice" by Billy Joel, which I don't think I had heard in about <laughs> twenty years before that right. episode. But no, it's definitely not one of the best they ever did, for sure. Now, yeah. if if I put you in charge of the show, Alan, what was one thing you wish the show did? Storyline. Character development, character—if you could redo one thing on the office, redo That's one easy. thing. I would have made Dwight the boss when Michael left. Okay, 
Yeah. Uh, because I think we saw in, in those last couple of episodes of the series how great that dynamic was of Dwight being mad with power and Jim, in, you know, Jim has matured enough that he's no longer trying to undermine him. He's just amusing himself while also protecting the rest of the staff from Dwight's worst impulses. I think that was just, it would have been a fresher way to go, whereas they just turned Andy into, you know, lukewarm Michael Scott, right. and that didn't work at all. Dan, what about you? Man, I, I couldn't agree more there, really. Um, I would have probably had more interest in the show once, once uh, Michael left there. And plus, like, I love the dynamic of, of Dwight always being so close to getting a job. Like when Michael was, or, you know, I, I forget the episode, but when he's interviewing to go take the job, then he tells Dwight that he's going to have his job, and Dwight, you know, paints the office black. That Like, <laughs> I just love, I love that, that dynamic. So it, it would have made so much sense. So I, I completely agree. Well, Dwight was made manager, but then he shot a gun in the office. Yeah. I, yeah. I would have liked to have seen, uh, maybe I'm in the minority on this. I'm very curious what you both think about this. I would have liked to have seen more of Kathy Bates. I love that character on the show. Yeah, she was funny. Yeah. She was good. Yeah, she was good. I mean, unlike, I mean, most of the people that, it, like, um, Idris Elba was, he was, he was good, but I thought Kathy Bates was probably the best of the guest starring people on that show. I like Todd Packer. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm a big Todd Packer guy. That character ain't flying today. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. But also, a lot of his is just the relationship with Michael. You know, like one, like when he tells it at one time as a joke, Todd Packer slept with all the women in the office, or you know, like a lot of it is because of Michael. I think, but yeah. Uh, Then Robert California, I think, was the biggest disaster in terms of worst character. uh, if you had a pickle- here's the thing about Robert California though, yeah. the first episode he's in, he's very funny. He's sort of this weird con man who's almost hypnotizing Jim and everybody else as he comes in. And if they had kept that characterization, I think it might have worked. Maybe they just didn't think it was sustainable. Right. But they just then turned him into nothing. It's like you've got James Spader, this fascinatingly weird actor, and they didn't give him anything to do. He was just sort of there. And okay, and uh. Dan, you, you, I'm sure you don't even bother with the Robert California episodes. No, I don't. Will, can, can you give, uh, Adam, can you give a little two minutes on Will Ferrell, like the story of him coming on? and like? You should host, because that was my next question. Was it ever going to be a long-term thing? Or? You should host. No, that was never going to be a long-term question. thing. It's just, you know, Carell and Ferrell were buddies, and you know, a lot of these people move in the same circles, and they were sort of trying to plug the hole because they knew Carell was going to leave before the end of the season, and they didn't want to bring his replacement in right away. So they said, let's bring in a big star. He'll do a few episodes, you know, sort of a palate cleanser. You know, you don't want to be the guy who, what was it, Jeff M. Gundy said, you don't want to be the guy who follows Pat Riley. You want to be the guy who follows that guy. Right. So. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a very interesting, and that was a good job by Dan, because my next question was going to be about Will Farrell. And I'm, I'm just curious now that you said that, um, Alan, has that, because I mean, I've watched a ton of sitcoms. Has that ever happened before where the main characters who leaves, leaves before a season ends? Yeah, it happens occasionally. I can't, I can't instantly recall one yeah, off the top of my head. I'm not going to bore people, you know, sitting here trying to think because that makes for great radio. <laughs> but, you know, it, it definitely has happened. I, some shows like to wait into the finale and others like to do it 
a few episodes before so you can get some sense of what it will be like without them. Very rare, though, that that happens. Yeah, it's not the norm, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys... We'll start with you, Dan. Did you like the Will Ferrell character for those three or four episodes? It was okay. Um, there were some moments that were pretty funny, but in, I would say overall, no. I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy it. And it's not... I, like I said before, when season eight or nine comes on, I won't watch. And I, I won't re-watch those episodes. Um, they're not... I, it's more of like out of principle, I won't watch season eight and nine because <laughs> I, I, I love Michael Scott so much. Um, so he's still kind of involved at the end of the season. So I do, uh, I will watch it, but I don't particularly like those episodes, no. And Alan, what, what was your take on the Will Ferrell character there? In, uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really love him or those episodes. I just, I don't think that they quite figured out what they wanted to do with him. It right. seemed as if they thought, hey, it's Will Ferrell, he will make it funny, and we don't have to give him much of a character. Right. I will, I, I'm sort of with you on that. I, I, I thought it was a little disappointing. I will say that I did, I did like the uh, Michael's, final, Michael's last Dundee's which is a Will Ferrell episode. Yeah. And I, and I love the scene. In, yeah. The, 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 the opening scene in that episode when um, Michael Scott, and he did have a great name on the show, Will Ferrell, D'Angelo Vickers. When, yeah. when, they're giving, when they're going to the houses and giving the Dundies, and um, you know, Stanley obviously wants to kill them, and then uh, they, they go to Meredith's house to give her the Dundies, and she comes walking up half-dressed, and she's like, oh, got me. Walk of shame. It's just, that's a great opening uh, little scene there. Um, Alan, I'm curious, are you surprised at all that the, the person, I, I, well, let me make this statement and tell me if you agree or disagree. Would you say that the person post office who's had the best career so far is John Krasinski? Or would you still say it's Carell? Funny. I mean, it's probably it's almost certainly Carell, just because he's in everything and you know gets awards nominations. But on the other hand, my first thought turned to Mindy Kaling, who oh, you right. know, was a relatively minor person on the show and a writer as well, you know, and has made herself into this whole brand. But you know, A Quiet Place was his big hit. You know, my stepdad loves watching J- Jack Ryan on Amazon, mm-hmm. so things are pretty good for Krasinski as well, for sure. Yeah, it seems like this was a year that he sort of dominated. Um, and I'm, it's curious when I was watching The Office, I. I didn't think that would end up being the case, and, you know, good for him. He's, he's done a good... I mean, it's so hard to reinvent yourself after you're in those iconic roles. Uh, can, I, can I change or switch uh, the subject real quick? I'm just you, curious. Um, how about... Because I, I asked about worst episodes, uh, or least favorite, I should say. How about, like, your least favorite main character? Because hmm. I would say my, fa- my favorite main character is... Is Michael, then Dwight, and then I. I really love Andy when he comes in, uh, but I, I. I'll just say that I. There's very few times where I thought that Kevin was very funny, uh, and most of the time I. I didn't enjoy, um, like his lines, or I, I just didn't think he was that great. Well, I'll, I'll jump in here and then I'll. I'll go to Alan. Kevin, to me, just because of this, the stuff with Holly when Holly thought he was mentally challenged. So right off the bat. That's, that stuff was so good that I can't... I'm going to disagree with you. I, if I had to go worst main character for me, it would be Andy. It, I felt oh. like Andy, Andy was just not consistent. He came in like first trying to kiss Michael's ass. Uh, 
and it didn't look but he was like rich and didn't really need the job and just i think they really did a bad job with him with angela cheating on him and everyone knew but him and i don't know he was like too weird and there was no consistency i felt with this character alan uh first of all you cannot possibly declare that the worst character on the show is the person responsible for the spilled chili opening, which is, I think, maybe the funniest <laughs> thing the series ever did. That, so, is, that is. How that dare is you, Dan? I, I, yeah. I know. I, I agree. That is. I, but I'm trying to think of, like, classic Kevin lines or something he said. Like, one of the, like, the only times I've ever laughed at things that he said is, like, I was the one where he says, uh, I like running. When he's, like, running back and forth <laughs> in the office. And he's trying to like change something on his computer or something. I, like that was pretty funny, but for the for the most part, I just didn't think he was very funny. How about the toupee at Jim and Pam's wedding? <laughs> yeah, that was okay. <laughs> I think I think Kevin's a character who it was very easy for them to lean into their worst impulses with him and just make him cartoonishly dumb. And you know, some and sometimes they were clever about it, like the thing with Holly thinking he was mentally challenged. Right. But I think early Kevin is definitely better than later Kevin. Just like early Andy is much better than you know post Corel Andy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so I, yeah I, maybe it helps. I did, I never watched Andy. I mean, I, I did watch it, but I never watched much of Andy in season eight and nine. So if he got better or if he got worse there, maybe I, you know I don't know about it as much. One of the things I also find interesting. So Alan, you can you can really speak to this. Um, so Mindy Kaling and B.J. Novak were producers and writers for the show. Correct. Yeah. So was Paul Lieberstein, who plays Toby. He, in fact, ran the show in the later years. Right. So is is that why they didn't get as much airtime because they were busy with that, or they didn't want to write themselves? I mean, they always seem like the least on camera people. It's a, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, the, one of the things the show liked to do is have the writers on the show beyond the show. Even Mose was played by Mike Schur, who then went on to do Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Good Place. So right. they they like, like to put them on camera, but definitely there was a sense. You know, that there's the main people, which is Michael, Jim, Pam, Dwight, and to a much lesser extent, Ryan, because they were the only ones in the opening credits for a while, and everybody else was there to, to come in and do jokes. Yeah. Uh, and then they mixed and matched, but definitely there were times where, you know, Paul Lieberstein was running the show, so you didn't see a lot of Toby, because he was busy with all the other jobs. Right, I always wondered when they brought in Holly and they had him go to Costa Rica, what was going on behind the scenes there. Uh, I don't know specifically what the story is, but it worked out really well because Holly is one of my favorite recurring characters on that show. Yeah, yeah. For sure. The episode when Michael goes missing and Dwight, Holly, and Aaron go looking for him is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Where they follow Holly's yeah, leads. Holly is, Holly is great. I mean, I also like... See, what's weird is I don't love a lot of the relationship stuff. You know, I, I'm not as high on, on Jim and Pam as you are. Um, I... Dwight and Angela is probably like my, besides all of Michael's relationships, that was probably my favorite. But I, I totally think Holly was great. I, I, I thought Jan was a great character too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I don't get the. So uh, it's funny. I had Ryan Rosillo of ESPN, very popular guy on the podcast a couple of months ago, because he had tweeted out that Pam was evil, and he listed like all of the reasons why Pam was evil. So I had him on the podcast and. We argued about it for like 20 minutes. It was pretty fun, but I, I, I get very mad at the Jim and Pam hate. Like, come on. I, th- I think some of their stuff has not aged. Like, there, there's a point in the series after which they no longer seem like underdogs, and they're just kind of bullying Dwight. Yes. And Dwight is 
Dwight can be terrible himself, but the, the pi- power dynamic shifts in a weird way. Right, that's right. not flattering to them after maybe season three or four. If that show was on today, like I could see the backlash for Jim, like buying Pam a house without telling her, you know, sexist and this. Yep. And that. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think they, the show overall, for a sitcom, you know, that's as good as you can do as sort of a, a couple romance arc. I thought. Um. But that's just me. Maybe I'm a romantic. All right. I appreciate this chat here on the office. Any final thoughts on the I do want to ask you one or two quick follow- last questions not having to do with the office. Anything anybody wants to say about the office before we... Well, you uh, when we were prepping for this, you yeah. wanted us to list uh, favorite underrated character. And for me, right. that's got to be Creed. Absolutely. Creed is like a hundred percenter. He's he's like a loogie. He comes in, yep. he gets one batter out, yep. but he's throwing heat every single time. Absolutely, Dan. Your thoughts on Creed? C- completely, completely agree. He would. Um, I think he is for a lot. Of, a lot of people that love The Office, I think, really appreciate the the one liners that that Creed would have. And you know, I, I completely agree with Adam how he'll just you know he'll come and he'll be in the episode for 30 seconds but it's like 30 seconds that you remember yep absolutely perfect <laughs> one line i remember the episode when they all find out um jim and pam are pregnant and they start getting bombarded with questions and it's like oh how how far along are you when's your due date is a boy or girl and Creed just goes who's your obgyn <laughs> like, like what, yeah. what is that um all right so alan you got two guys here on the line who are sitcom guys if i said to you Tell us what sitcom should we binge over the holidays that's either relatively new, fairly current. What would you, what would you say? Well, um, I mean, I would say if you love The Office, you should walk, watch Parks and Recreation. A lot of the same creative people worked on there. A lot of the actors filtered through from one to the other. You're going to recognize a lot of faces. Uh, and that, uh, that's also a show that, like with The Office and Michael, takes about a half a season to figure out how to write uh, Amy Poehler's character, so she's not quite so much like Michael Scott. But after that, it goes on like one of the great runs of all time in sitcoms. I, I think it's fabulous, and it's streaming in a bunch of places. Dan, did you watch Parks and Rec? I watched it a little bit, but now that he's saying it, maybe it's a show. I've been looking for a show to, to watch. I've, I've been going through a lot of drama-type shows, and I, I've been looking for something to watch. So, you know, what? I, I enjoy what? sitcoms because it's short uh you know you can watch in 20 or 30 minutes um so i i I would be willing to give that a shot but what the hell you you just said you just said you're going through dramas but you won't watch the sopranos (laughs) what 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 that's so many that's so many seasons i'm talking like i watch ozark that's two seasons um Oh, uh, okay, Dan, now I, I take back what I said before. I thank can't you. believe you watched Ozark and not The Sopranos. Thank you, Alan. That's not okay. Thank you, Alan. How many how many seasons is is that? Though? It's weird because they did like half seasons. Alan would know just, this, obviously. Just watch one season of The Sopranos. The first season of The Sopranos works. If you never watch any more, it's still perfect. Right. Okay. Right. I, I, will, I will vow to you uh, <laughs> that I will watch, I will watch a season of The Sopranos. Watch the I first season. Back. Watch the first season. I will say. I will say this though about the Sopranos. Does it did it age well? Because here's the problem yes. too. We're switching subjects because so my wife had never watched Breaking Bad. I had yeah. watched Breaking Bad. I I thought it was great. Everything. I finally she didn't want to watch it because I had already watched it. So we start watching it, and about halfway through the first season, it was almost unwatchable because I don't think it. I I felt I was getting uncomfortable because it just everything seemed so old so like old like just the quality of it and just uh i forget 
I even forget the kid's name. Um, you know, his his Walter White sidekick guy, like just his lines and his answering machine and how he's. It, it was just kind of cheesy, and she she felt the same way, and I I let her say that okay, we won't watch it anymore. Listen, if you watch The Sopranos the first season, yeah, they probably don't have cell phones or maybe they have flip phones or whatever, but just watch the first season. Just watch the first season. Okay. Go with it. I will I say, there's one problem with The Sopranos, in my opinion. Unlike other shows like The Office, like with The Office, like you skip seasons eight and nine. No, you're not skipping anything with The Sopranos. It was as good on the last episode as it was on the first episode. Every season of The Sopranos is good. There's no down season. If you want to skip one episode, you could skip Columbus Day when that comes up. But there's no other episodes you could skip. Alan, would you agree with that? Probably. I mean, you could definitely skip. <laughs> Skip Christopher, which is what the Columbus Day episode's called in season four. But yeah. you know, in doing this book, I had to go back and rewatch it, and it, it, the worry is it's like watching you know Casablanca or something, where it's been imitated so much that it feels like you're just watching a string of cliches. And there's a little of it, but for the most part, Jim Gandolfini especially and Edie Falco are just so good that it doesn't matter. I, the two greatest performances in TV history, as far as I'm concerned, that I've seen, um, and you could. Read all about it in Alan's new book, The Soprano Sessions, on January 8th. My producer, Lou Pellegrino, he's um, recommending Schlitz Creek or Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek. Schitt's Creek. Good show. Is that a good show, Alan? Uh, I've seen a little of it. That's on my long list of things I need to catch up on. But the problem is, there's now, I think, four or five seasons of it, so it becomes intimidating again. You guys are there. You the, you, now you're on the same page. All right. <laughs> there um, you go. The, the funny thing about um, what Dan said about. Um, Breaking Bad. I mean, not Breaking Bad. I'm trying. I'm going back to what Alan said about Parks and Rec. I've heard. For, I didn't watch Parks and Rec. I've heard from people. It's a nicer version of The Office. I don't want a nicer version of The Office. I want the mean version. There, there's definitely some meanness in there, and I think okay. basically if you just start with season two, because the, there's six episodes of season one, and they're a little rough. You just jump in there. It's really great, and uh, Ron Swanson, the character played by Nick Offerman, who just eats bacon and meat all day every day, you both will fall in love with very quickly. I will watch. Parks and Rec over the holidays. Dan's going to watch The Sopranos, and we'll have to do this again sometime. I look forward to it. I appreciate you guys coming on. I, I, I know it's a crazy time of year, so thank you very much. And, Alan, again, it's uh, The Soprano Sessions January 8th, correct, for the new book? Correct, yes, and available for pre-order and everywhere books are sold right now. Uh, Dan, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I do want to apologize, though. I think I may have said that his name was Adam. Uh, throughout the podcast, so my apologies if I did say that. But um, okay. I, I vouch you, I will watch The Sopranos. Uh, Alan, do you have a Twitter account? <laughs> or... Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sepinwall, S-E-P-I-N-W-A-L-L. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch season one probably over the holidays. Uh, I'll have pl- some time and, and I'll report to you. That's Sounds gonna be good, good, Dan. I'm gonna follow you right now, so you'll you'll get the alert and it'll all work out. Here's the problem. Dan's one of these guys. He has a great Twitter name at Ithrow88. Very self-deprecating. Dan's one of these guys I really get annoyed with because he's hysterically funny on Twitter, but he doesn't tweet really anymore. So it's it's a bummer. We're being deprived. Yeah. We're being deprived. I have a real job, and you'll see what you know what you'll see with Brandon McCarthy too. He's going to have to cut it back. Yeah, I know. Got to watch out. All right, that will be sad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. You guys have a great holiday, and uh, thanks for coming on. Okay. Take yeah. Care. Take care. All right. Take care. All right. I enjoyed that a lot. Hopefully. If you're a fan of The Office, you did too. Alan Zeppelin, really, he gives you some good uh, inside nuggets there as a TV critic. And it's always good to just hear from someone who loves the show as a fan, which was Dan Harron. So thanks for listening to this episode. And um, please check out what we've got in the archives for you. The last few shows have been really great. 
We did a year in review. Bill Burr was on. Uh, so did Listener Calls with Brian Curtis. Check that all out in the archives. Give us a listen, subscribe, rate, and review. I appreciate it. And we'll see you next time right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.